Welcome back to another Out on the Road podcast. I'm Ty Linker, your host. Today's episode is brought to you by Slick Man Welding Apparel. Nathan Montez, great guy, good welder, good friend of mine. He's got the 716s, like your kid gloves. You got the 716 Plus now, elk skin gloves. The 820 for your heavier duty stick welding. That's the pairs I like to wear. And you can find them at slickmanweldingapparel.com. Or you can look up Nasty Nate on TikTok. Uh, easiest way to get them ordered and look at all his, his uh, stock or whatever is at slickmanweldingapparel.com. You got TNN Welding Supply located in Big Spring, Texas. It's welder owned, operated. Mr. Powell, Smith Mayor, the great people to do business with. Then you get, I got a new sponsor now. It's Woe Bros. They're American owned, vet, veteran owned, and operated. They got the steel toed hey dudes. You can give them your size, they'll send you a pair out. Or you can get the kit where you can make any of your hey dudes steel toed. They have the cowboy pattern FR shirts. It's American Steel and Sex Appeal. You can find them at wobros.us, not .com, .us. I know it's been a break in my podcast, but I'm hoping to continue to get to record at least one or two every week. And today I am joined by Dakota Moore. Are you, did I lose you, Dakota? Nope, sorry. Oh, okay. <clears throat> hey, how's it going, man? Sorry, I got Good. distracted here for a second. Some people may know him by Moose Knuckle, 92 on the TikTok, the Snapchat's at. It's pretty much just Facebook that don't say Moose Knuckle, but anyway, we've been trying to get this recorded for a week now, and we finally got our our uh, times lined up. So where are you at right now, Dakota? I am in, uh, I'm working in Lawrence, Kansas, but I'm staying over here uh, in Missouri. I'm from Missouri, so I'm getting to be home every night for the first time in the history of my welding career. It always works out. You know, I, I mean, I'm in the, I'm not going to say the great state of Michigan because there's only one great state and that's Texas, but I'm in Michigan. So far, I've been pretty impressed with it. The scenery has been pretty nice. Just every dig that we make, the hole fills up with water. That part of it's, I mean, I own a pair of waders. had had them since I was in Louisiana three or four years ago. Yeah, man, I worked, in, I worked in Michigan here a couple, two years ago, I think it was, and it was beautiful up there, and driving driving through Detroit, I mean, no one likes to drive through Detroit, including the people that live there. That's what but, they say. But outside of that, it, Michigan really is a very pretty place. I'm I'm really on the, um, in the UP is what they call it. Um, oh, the Uper. Yeah, the biggest the biggest city that's close to here is like only got like five thousand people in it. It's it's not a real city. They call it a city, but it's not. Well, hell, you can't beat that. No, it's pretty secluded. The RV park we're at is pretty secluded. It's been fairly nice. But the uh, how long how old are you, Dakota? I will be thirty one in a couple weeks. And uh, you got a wife and you got a daughter, correct? Yep, yep. I have a. Uh... My wife and she travels with me. I talked her into quitting, quitting her job and running the road with me. And then my daughter just turned four on Thursday last week. Yeah, I got a seven and a thirteen-year-old daughters. They're handfuls. 
yeah, they're they're definitely a handful. I mean, I can't even imagine what I'm in store for at you know that age, because right now, three three was pretty wild for us. And right. We, we turned four, and she thought that she was going on like thirteen. For sure, my one of my daughters is like the cheerleader. The my oldest one, my thirteen year old, she's more of beauty pageant cheerleader, that kind of girl. My youngest one, seven. She was she was raised in the in the camper for until she turned five and had to go to school. She's pretty rough. She's been raised around grown men, grown pop hunters. She's pretty pretty rough. She likes to chase frogs and show goats and all that business. Come so on. They can be uh night and day from each other, that's for sure. Yeah. No, uh, I I believe I definitely believe it. How long have you been pop lining, bud? Man, I got on as a helper back in 2017 um and i i helped pretty much all through 17 and then i broke out with my truck in january of 18 and before before i was a helper i was a i was a plant hand i was a single hand welder a combo a combo welder and i uh you know, I got into pipelining and haven't really looked back as far as going back into the plants. As a, I haven't done any single hand work, I should say. In a long time. Yeah, and you had uh, a told me at one time. You're you're a vet too, correct? Yes, sir. Oh, yep, I was, I was in the navy. Like a like a Zach Bryan just to the welding world. Yeah. <laughs> what uh. What made you get out of the, the Navy? Ma'am, um, I didn't actually want to get out. I was I was medically discharged. Um, I was wanting to be a lifer. Uh, but when we were on cruise, we had been out to sea for, I don't know, a couple, two or three months. And we were working every day. And it turns out that my body don't like to rest whenever it's sleep deprived it wants to keep going and i got caught sleepwalking oh jeez yeah it's not a good thing on a boat no uh so i got caught at like three o'clock in the morning uh by my lpo my boss um peeing off the side of the boat in my sleep oh jeez and they confronted me about it the next morning and you know i didn't I didn't have no idea what they were talking about, which they didn't come out and be like, hey, were you sleepwalking? They they started asking me some questions that I should have known answers to if I was awake. Right. uh, So anyways, I had to go see the ship psychiatrist and go through a mental evaluation and all sorts of stuff, a sleep study, and they deemed me to be a safety risk. So we ported in Spain and... They flew me back to the United States, and about three and a half weeks later, I got the boot. Oh, man. So, that's not not what I was looking to do with my life. I mean, it put me, it put me in a real bad spot in a real bad way for a long right. time because, I mean, growing up, I knew that's what I always wanted to do. Um, yeah, I come from a military family. Every everyone in my family has served and you know it was my turn and 
like I said, I was wanting to be a lifer, but God didn't want it to work out that way. So he just gave me a little taste of it and told me to go do something else. The, uh, so it says here uh, you went to MWI. And I – was Danny Kirk, Kirkland, how do you say that? He was at MD, MWI not long ago. Uh, I, so. I don't know who that is. Like on the t- uh, he's the guy that got paralyzed that worked for uh, Western, Western Welding. Welding. Yeah, he's that, okay. that guy. <clears throat> I, he was on a tour, and I seen him go through that. That's the first time I've ever heard of Missouri Welding Institute. Outside of, you know, mine and yours, just you sent yeah. me your little bio. Well, tell me about that, because I think you were the first trade school student I've had on the show. Pretty sure. I've talked to some guys that went to trade school and whatnot, but it's never linked. It's never worked out to where I could have them on the show. Outside of maybe, yeah, I think you'll be the first one. Yeah. So, um, when I got out of the Navy, I tried all sorts of different things, and you know, didn't know what I wanted to do. And I got to talking with one of my buddies that went to NWI, and he was he was a single hand welder. And I was like, hey, man, you look like you live a pretty good life as this welder. You know, how how'd you figure out how to do that? He's like, well, I went to MWI. I was like, well, I'm going to call him up and take a tour. Um, and, you know, I'll try it out because the, the Navy, you know, would pay pay for me to go, go to school, whether it's college or trade school. You know, I, I had my GI Bill. Uh, yeah. So I went down there and I took a tour of it and, you know, they told me what they had going on. They said it was like a, like a four and a half month long course and they'd help with job placement when you got out and you make a ton of money is what they, you know, is what they tell you. Uh, so that's, that's always a selling school. point. I'm... Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd definitely be telling everyone that too, if I was you know, in the position to try to get people to come to my school. What did it, what did it cost? Let's talk about that. Cause we always hear all these crazy numbers, like a 20,000 here, you know, 14,000 here. If you just go for the downhill parts, you might get away with like 8,500. I've heard all these numbers. So from a man that, that I know you used your GI bill, but what did they charge for that? Uh, so when I went through, it was $16,000 for an eight week or not eight week, uh, four and a half month long course. Um, and that included structural welding, um, low high on pipe and heliarch on pipe. And then they have what they call pipe fitting course. So you spend your first, your first hour of every day in a classroom learning how to read prints, and learning how to do, you know, simple math and going through the blue book and just trying to get people to go out there in the field and not just be going in completely blind, not having any idea what anyone's talking about as far as fitting goes. And then you spend, so that's an hour, and then you spend uh, seven hours of just straight under the hood time, and that's five days a week. Tracking up some hours for sure. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I know there's a lot of guys that are against trade schools, and there's guys that's for them. I think it's 
totally situational with what you want to do and what you're looking to achieve because, you know, it seems like the general consensus coming from pipeliners is like, oh, just come be a helper and you'll learn, you'll learn everything being a helper, which you can definitely do it that way. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But the what I noticed from like going through a trade school like, like MWI or whether I don't know, I don't really know that much about any other trade school. I didn't really do much homework on looking right. around. Um, but at least in my experience, like they got my foot in the door with being a combo welder. Well, you know, fast forward to me, helper, and now a welder running my truck. If times ever get slow or, you know, oil crashes again, like there will always be plant work, whether it's a food processing plant or whether it's a chemical plant or a paper mill. So for, for that reason, like I was grateful I'm grateful for going through the trade school, so I'm not a one-trick pony. Right. And I was able to expedite my career. You know, I spent four and a half months going through school, um, and it it made it to where I didn't have to go spend a year helping, or two years, sure. or you know, just depending on how fast someone gets down, because you got seven hours a day of just straight burning rod. Right. And a lot of that, you know, like you said, expedited your career. Well, really, you just when you went to go help, you just working on learning the lingo, learning how things really operate out there. And oh, so most it, uh, <clears throat> most definitely. Uh, I didn't that trade school that I went to. They don't teach downhill, um, right. so that was that was the biggest thing for me. Like when I became a helper, you know, I I had. I'd known a couple people that were pipeliners and, um, you know, just like everyone, you watch YouTube videos on the stuff to try to try to learn whatever you can. But how to downhill, I, I thought going to be a helper would be my best avenue to, to getting in there. And, you know, I, I didn't want to come out, come straight out as a welder, um, without being a helper first, because, you get out there and you don't know what you're doing. And I, you know, I see it now that I'm a, I am a welder. Like you can tell when someone's, you know, super green. And then you can also tell when someone was never a helper and y'all generally don't see eye to eye with the dude that was never a helper to begin with. Yeah. I think, I think that boils back to that respect thing. You know, you kind of pay a little bit of dues. I was only helper six months, maybe myself, six, maybe seven months might be pushing it. But the, uh, and I worked for a guy, Hillbilly, Matthew Thompson. I worked for him and he, it wasn't, he just taught me to be like a machine when it comes to about it. You know, it's like, this is the way you do this, the way you do that. It's why you turn the rods over in the bucket. It's just, and you pick up on all them little things. So when you revert over to, he would say like, how can you manage a helper if you, if you've never been in that shoe, in the shoes? Everybody exactly. learns different. You know, you're trying to teach somebody how to be a welder. And so, how can you do it if you've never walked the the same path? You know, it just, it was just a lot of stuff, little, little stuff to learn. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't so much intimidated by all the welding. I was just intimidated about having somebody's family and me being responsible for somebody else's family. That bugged me the most, I think. 
man, I, <clears throat> I'm glad you said that because I feel like a lot of these guys that are wanting to break out, you know, that are helpers wanting to break out, they don't think about that side of it, you know. They think, oh, I just need to go make, I just need to go make a weld test, and then like that's it. It's like, well, yeah, man, you do need to make a weld test. Totally agree, but then you got to be able to keep a job because it oh, ain't yeah. just your money on the line no more. You got some kid that just, you know, you're in North Dakota, and you got some kid that is just itching to be, you know, get into the industry. Drove up from Florida or nope. Texas or wherever, you know, totally dependent on you. And, you know, they got their families, too, whether it's a single man or a dude with four kids, whatever. You got you got someone else relying on you. So you need to be able to, yeah, make that test. But then you got to be able to keep that job. Right. So, and it, you know, this, this year, from the beginning until now, has also been another year of growing pains. I mean, it's uh, – what – I think this is six, seven years, maybe, maybe longer. I don't, I can't remember exactly when I broke it, what year it was. But anyways, been been at this for a while. Well, they, you know, times has changed. And I, it's been a long time since I repaired out on a job, but I've done it this year. That's humbling, ain't it? It's pretty humbling when you, uh, when you think you're at one level and then something like that happens. It, it all happened in like a day. Just, I guess I couldn't get right. So I went back to Texas, laid pop all summer, pretty much, and now I'm back to the company that run me off. You know, it. But I'm grateful for the opportunity to be back because I didn't think I would be back because I didn't really handle my leaving very well because I felt like I was in a better. I don't know. I felt like I shouldn't have been in the position I was in, but it happens. But it it humbled me, and I took the I took the summer to to honing on some skills that I hadn't done in a while because putting on sleeves and putting beads and pop stuff, two different things. And I guess I got a little carried away and it caught me, but yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I ain't been doing this for 20 years or nothing, but you know, I've been running my truck since 18 and that's what five years now. And yeah, I, I took a little time off, uh, to, explore other avenues of revenue um and i come back to it in january of this year i took i took a little over a year off um to to do some entrepreneuring and i come back to welding this year and man the cards have been in my favor more this year since since i've been welding probably all all together i've been Super fortunate enough to, I haven't missed a on a Friday since since I come back to Weldon, and I know, I know, before I quit. I could have. There's no way I could have ever said that. I mean, yeah. Either between getting on small jobs or, you know, you leave one job trying to go to another one and thinking you're going to better yourself, and you get looked out or the job don't last as long or it's not what they say, but. Yep. This year, I've been super, super fortunate to to stay hooked up all year, and if I if I play my cards right, I'll I'll be able to finish out the year without without no time off. That's always a good thing too. That's what everybody strives to do. The, I 
I don't like being in West Texas and New Mexico just because it's three weeks on, week off, three weeks on, week off, or maybe you get lucky and it's five weeks and then you're off for two or three days and you're back at it. Like the day that I left from Kansas this year when I got run off, I had a job before I even hooked to my camper or test, another test. I'm pretty fortunate for the amount of people that I know to stay pretty well hooked up. But at the end of the day, if you're bouncing from contractor to contractor to contractor, this and that, and retesting and all that stuff, you really ain't making no money. That's why I'm super grateful to be back in the position I'm in because, I mean, you do move around with anomaly digs and stuff, but it's pretty much a guaranteed 60 hours a week, you know, just show up and do your job when they ask you to. Yep, you're you're working for Manhattan, ain't you? Oh yeah, yeah. I, uh, man, I I actually got offered a spot with them here a couple months ago. I think right before you went back to them, yeah. and and I turned it down. And part of me, part of me kicks myself in the butt for it because uh, it's something I've never done. I've never done any digs. Um, but the other part of me is glad that I didn't because I like, I like where I'm at at this moment and where, where I plan on being the rest of the year. So, I mean, it's six and one half a dozen in the other could have, should have, would have type deal. Right. Well, there's always next year too. They, I mean, digs ain't going nowhere. You make a lot of money on rehab work though. That's, that's what I like about it though. Like I love laying pop. I had a lot of fun this summer laying pop again, pop passing, being on the firing line, tie-ins, all that stuff's fun, doing fab work. But anomaly digs, you know, you you may only work 30 hours that week and still get paid 60, or you may work, you know, you may work 75 or 80 hours that week. And, you know, it's depends how many immediates they got or stuff they want to get done right at that very moment, you know. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> it makes, fluctuates it. Yeah, I I got a buddy that works for the same outfit you're working for, and I mean he sends me Snapchats every day of him living living a pretty good life, and then he'll send me Snapchats here and there of him having to having to earn that paycheck, and yeah, you know it's it's good for him because <laughs> he he needs it's, to be working to keep him lined out. Yeah, they well they say you know like uh you. There's, there might be two or three days we don't do anything, and then all of a sudden you got a forty foot sleeve to weld on. And there's five guys there, you know, and then, then you really got to work them days. You work that day, that evening, and most time come back the next day to finish it. But, oh yeah, yeah, I, I see your Snapchats too, and I mean, what you do looks, it looks super fascinating. Like I said, I, I never done it. I'd like to, I just wasn't ready to, to quit. Or stop pipelining right now to, to right. go try that out yet. And if you're going to be in your backyard, there's nothing better than that. I've, I've I've never been that fortunate to be close to Weatherford when I lived there, but now I have a place out in O'Donnell. So when I was down in West Texas, I was pretty much in my backyard. Yeah. I think they just run a line through Weatherford here earlier this yeah. year at like a dual lay. Yeah, I uh, would work for Watkins if they the last company on, on earth. Yeah, I heard they're pretty not good to work for. I'm not about running companies and contractors and gas companies down on the show or whatever, but that's one. I got too many buddies that just, they run them ragged, then they 
tell them one thing and they do another thing. It's just, I don't, I just do not deal with them, me personally. But no, that's that's kind of the same story that I've heard out of them. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I've never worked for them, so I, I don't have an opinion on them. But you know, this there might be a lot of people in the welding industry, but it's still a super small. Super, oh yeah. Super small. Everybody knows everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well, especially welders. Yeah, welders always talk about who they're working for. You know, whether it's Troy, Sunland, MPG, it don't matter. Pumpco, everybody's always talking. You know, and they and then they talk about well, bosses treating me this way or that way. But that's also there's two sides of a coin because I've some people hadn't had good experience with contractors and stuff, and I've worked for them, and I'm like, well, I've worked for them any day of the week, you know. Certain bosses make all the difference, you know, management parts of it make all the difference. Man, that that has to be one of the truest things that could possibly be said, I think, about about the industry in general. Because if you ain't working for the right people, it don't matter what the job is. Like, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. Oh, and yeah. it, can, it can go from damn good to damn bad. I mean, I started... I started off the year uh, with an outfit, and we ran five miles of 24-inch, and it's probably one of the best jobs I've been on. And then they sent me to the next one, and it was, you know, I went from Louisiana to North Dakota, and it was like working for a totally different company because the same people weren't running the show up north as what they were down south. And, I mean... Truthfully, I probably could have retired with that outfit if if I wanted to. You know, they they liked me up there, and I did a, you know I'd do a decent enough job. But the the management up in North Dakota just made life miserable for us boys that come from down south. Yeah. You know, and the people like the North Dakota welders up there, they don't like us. It seems like and. That that also makes a job bad when, you know, you come in and they don't even know who you are and they already don't care for you. No. You ain't from the same place they're from. It's like not being a bald knobber or something like that. It's But that, you know, you can go from New Mexico. I've talked about this on here before. You can have a New Mexico telephone number and call an East Texas well boss and he won't give you time of the day. You know, or you can be from Louisiana and call a guy from you know, West Texas or whatever, and he may not give you time of day, you know, just, or you can be from the South and call a well boss in Kansas, wherever, and he may be from that neck of the woods and he don't give you time of day, you know, it's just, it's, it's super political these days, that's why I try to watch my, uh, what I say on here sometimes, but at the same time, so like I was saying is, is I don't mind calling out some of these companies because they, it's not really, it's not what I've learned in my time of doing this, sometimes it's not really the well boss and it's not really a tying foreman or a front end guy. Most time it's, it's a little bit higher than that. It rolls into the superintendents and project managers or construction, whatever they call them. They got all these names for guys. But the right management, most of the time jobs run pretty smoothly. Like before we started by recording, uh, Working down in Texas, I've done that crane line over there, and it's smooth, 
smooth as all get out. When done another job for him, smooth as all get out. Went to roll to the third job. Well, I kind of got the bump because they have their boys. And that's that's something I just I, – I see it. I understand it. But at the same time, it's really frustrating to me. Stuff like that is. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt, I I see it too. And, I mean, I'm not – I've never been one to be part of part of a clique, but I've always been one to be able to get along with everybody. And I think that my ability to adapt and, you know, be social with everyone has probably really helped me help me stay hooked up over the years. Um, Because, I mean, I I treat I try to treat everybody the same, whether it's someone I like or not. You know, I still try to try to be cordial and friendly because at the end of the day, we all still got to work together. So it's in my For head, sure. it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to get along with everyone than it is to get along real good with one or two people and then not along with anyone else. Because, you know, if you ain't get along with people, no one wants to weld with you. Right. Oh, and, for sure. And I don't I don't ever want to have to be that guy. It's like, oh, man, damn, I got to weld with Bullwinkle. Like, I ain't trying to weld with him. You know, he's an asshole or whatever. Like, I I've hope no one ever... Your nick- <laughs> I've been fucking up your nickname the whole time. I was, I told somebody the other day, I was like, yeah, I'm going to record a podcast with Moose Knuckle, but it's Bull Knuckle. No, it's Bull Winkle. Dude, I thought that you were Bull Winkle. No, no, I've been, I've been jacking it up for like two weeks. And I see it on Snapchat all the time or on your TikTok all the time. And I'm, I'm just calling you, just calling you Moose Knuckle out here in the world, bro. Oh, you're, you're out there just living wild and free. Call them what you want. Yeah, I'm sure. My bad. No, man. No, no, every job I go to, like, everyone knows my name, my nickname's Bullwinkle. But, you know, they always want to change it up. Oh, Moose Knuckle, old Periwinkle, old Bullstinkle, you know, whatever. And, like, you know, I, hell, I don't care. I thought you were just cracking a damn joke no i've been just fucking it up not not even no remorse about it either bud oh no no i'm about it (laughs) just never let them know your next move really right but the uh the politics side of things and i've talked about it on here it's it hadn't changed everybody's like well old timers are always like well back in my day back in my day it really ain't changed it's i i've talked to enough old welders to know that there's some really good welders that didn't – maybe they didn't uh, walk up and down the firing line and talk to everybody or they didn't go eat a steak at their campers together and stuff. And, you know, they might have hit a few jobs with them, but at the end of the day they kind of just trickled away, you know. I, I definitely I definitely don't think it's changed. Like the, the idea of any of that has not changed. I think what has changed is how it's expedite, it's been expedited via – social media and cell phones mm-hmm. i mean you know like back in the day union welders if there wasn't no work they'd go weld non-union and no one would know because no one carried around cameras and mm-hmm. posted stuff all over social media well nowadays like you can't do that or else you are getting caught and for sure you can ask me how i know so <laughs> I uh, I carried a book for a little bit, and you know that got into it. I came in as a 
or the 798 helper and then uh i decided to you know go weld non-union before i ever tried to weld union and oh i don't know if i made someone mad or someone just thought that they uh they were doing the world you know a greater good by turning me in but i got turned in and they hit me with a ten thousand dollar fine and you know i'm still welding non-union so if that tells you tells you anything you didn't want to you didn't tell them like hey i was just practicing for y'all this was this is to benefit y'all you know that's what i was told that's actually exactly how the conversation did not go yeah Um, if you'd like i mean i'll tell you (laughs) i'll tell you how it went and you might have some union hands that listen to this that will want to cuss me up you know up and down but that's their business but i was i was on tie-ins up in north dakota welding and uh they called me and said hey this is so and so with local 798 we got reports that you're working non-union and like when they told me that i already knew that hell i was caught i said yeah i'm i'm about to make a tie-in so tell me what you got to tell me and make it short because i got to get back to work like no 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 you need to drag up and come down here to tulsa and sit in front of a board i was like mister you got me you got me confused because i'm not about to quit my good paying job up here to sit in front of a board for y'all to tell me that I owe you $10,000 and I'll never be able to get onto a union job again because my name will get run through the mud for being a rat. And they're, they're like, oh, no, that won't happen. It's, well, I ain't going to find out if it will or not. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. So well, we're going to mail you your charges. I see you saved the ink printer. I don't, I don't want them. Y'all can have them. And I've stayed on this side of the fence since then. No. There was a guy come try to recruit us when we was over in uh, Minnesota not long ago. Yeah, they're super nice guys, and I know I know they just mean they that they're meaning what they're saying. But I know too many guys that spent too long in the union and sat on the wheel or sat at home, and they try to do all the right things. Well, eventually we got families to feed, and they went out and they're trying to feed their families. Same thing. Somebody, blah blah blah, busted them, and you know then. One of the guys I know, he was in there for like 20-something years. He lost his, his retirement, everything. Oh, yeah. So for me, Man. this to commit to that, like, you know, it's got to be our way. And they say, you know, if you get with the right superintendent and he likes your work ethic and he blah, 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 likes this, like this. I've worked for plenty of superintendents that like me, but then they, they, they didn't keep me because they had their boys, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not against unions. I'm not against 798. I think that the mentality that goes with being 798 is blown entirely out of proportion. Like when you roll down in there to the hall, they have a you know a sign through these gates past the world's greatest pipeliners. Well, I mean, really, it's just a bunch of dudes like me that just carry a book. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. there's some good, there's some damn welders, but there's some damn good welders on the non-union side too, and that's. It seems like the mentality on the union side is, well, we're better because we're union. It's like, well, what makes you better? Because you didn't go through any training. You just went past the test just like the rest of us. So, like, how does nope. that make you better? I don't know. That's, well, it's like there's a stigma um, for guys that have 432 numbers, right? you know, come from Midland, Odessa area. Some I know some really, really good welders that come from, like, Fort Stockton, 
Odessa, Monahans. I mean, Nathan Montez comes from Monahans, Texas, one of the slickest welders I know. You know, it's but he has that four three two number. So sometimes I think if he was to call certain people that I know, they would look at it as kind of, you know, well that's just a West Texas welder, and not really, and the conversation wouldn't really go no further than that. So I got a nine four zero number, and most people that know me know why I have the nine four zero number because it's Central Texas. I get along with the West Texas guys. I get along with the Central Texas guys, the Louisiana guys, the East Texas guys. I just tried to keep it uh, central biased. I get along with South Texas guys. It don't really matter. But I know that that kind of shit goes on, and it's frustrating. Cause, and, like, I also have an attitude – or I don't have an attitude. I have a um, reputation for being hot-headed and stuff. And it took me two or three years to get away from that. My first probably three or four years of welding – I drug up over some of the dumbest shit that now I'm like, I see kids doing the same thing and I'm like, what are you even doing? What are you, what are you thinking about? You think about 50 cent or a dollar over there? It's not worth it. I promise you. It's not, it's not going to pan out. These guys, they got work and you're going to go over there and they say, well, they got a month's worth of work. Well, that's really two weeks, you know? Oh yeah. It's just, you're uh-huh. coming in at the, at the tail end of a job, which means most time you're going to be the first one out the, out the gate, you know? Yep. No, I've, when when I was a single hand welder, you know, I was young and dumb and you know, just like everyone thinks you know everything there is to know about everything. And uh you know, I drug up on good jobs to go make a dollar more an hour and I had to drive, you know, twelve hours to get there, make a test and you only end up working two weeks and if I'd have just stayed where I was at, I'd have been money ahead. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, over over a dollar and but you know, I don't think everyone should have to. But you appreciate stuff a lot more when you do learn the hard way. Oh yeah, for sure. But I also hope that you know someone can hear this and it may register with them. You know, tomorrow at work when they're thinking about dragging up to do the same thing, and they're like, "Man, I just heard these two dudes on a podcast say that it's not worth it. Maybe I ought to listen to them." You yep. know, because they've been doing it longer or something. And I, I see helpers do it a lot, you know, like, it takes a lot of trust, especially, like, for me. When I get a new helper, a lot of people know that my old helper, Declan, he's broke out, he's gone now, so I have a, I have a new one named Clay. And he's made a great hand. He's worked for a couple other friends of mine, worked for Declan, he's, he's making a pretty good hand. But uh, it takes a while till you build that trust, like with Declan, Declan cut my branches out for me grinder cut straps everything he done everything all i do is weld and uh but you got to build that trust back up with somebody so if you're bouncing if you're a helper and you're bouncing between welder to welder to welder to welder well you never you're never gonna get that trust where they say okay you grind a beat on test day or you cut my branch out while i'm doing this blah blah blah, you know you and I, i got quentin ford to thank for how i go about my helpers when it comes to testing day because he's because i like to build welders one of my favorite things about it. I mean, I love the checks, but I like having a helper that wants to be a welder and helping mold them into being, you know, achieving their goals and dreams. Well, you if you don't let them help you on test day, cut straps and cut your branches on, how do you expect them to go take their first welding test and not know how to do any of that? Oh, you most know, definitely. So. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, 
man, a good helper will ruin you too. And big time. I, I know because I've had I've had some really good helpers, and then you know they either break out or go to be or something, and then you get stuck with someone that don't know anything. And I shouldn't say stuck with someone. You know, I like I have no problem hiring someone green. Like, as long as they have the ambition, because then I can shape them into, you know, into what I think is right and what works for me and hopefully works for them, too, when it comes their time. Uh, But, you know, when you go from having someone that can do it all to where you don't have to say a word, like, y'all don't talk other than just cutting up, you know, you ain't got to talk about it. It'll ruin you. Because then, hell, there's been times where, hell, like I, I forget what my heat is supposed to be at because my helper, you know, my helper knows me good enough to where he just he starts my heat off at the right spot every time, and I just tell him up or down as we go, and then you don't have him for a day or you get someone else, and you're like, well, what do you, you know, what do you run your beat at? Man, I ain't got no idea. <laughs> I ain't, I ain't got no clue. I don't know. Just start. We'll just start at forty-five. Yeah, yeah. I'm just we're on 45, we'll, we'll start with that. See, like I had had Clay for a couple of days because he had to go home and deal with his uh, he's moving out of his rent house because he bought him a camper and stuff. So he got rid of a bill, so you know, he's buying the world machine and stuff. Well, he uh, the first day he was gone, we had to go weld a sleeve on, and this this kid was helping me, he helps another welder. But we go in two, two, two if it's a short enough sleeve, we just work in pairs, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so he went with me to go do this well, and he was like, where do you start at? And I was like, ah, just put it on 80. We'll start there. See how it goes. He's like, well, don't, you know. he, he's a green hat. You know, he's green. He just, this was his first time ever doing sleeves. He's like, man, don't blow us up. Don't blow us up. I was like, we're going to be fine, bud. We will be fine. What What machine are you running? I run a 300 MP, a 2019 model with the Perkins. How you like it? I bought it brand new in 19 while I was welding for uh, Holloman down in Ozona. I had 0.05 hours on it, and I have 3,100 now. I'm probably a bit of welding with that thing, but I I couldn't imagine not having it. Like, I welded with some Millers that I really liked, and I've welded with some HEs that I like, and I've even welded with some. I would love to have a 200D if it had 500 hours on it. it was, pretty much brand new but everyone you find now has got ten thousand hours on it they want ten grand oh yeah but the the mp it didn't really settle in until about twelve hundred hours probably but once yeah. that machine settled in i busted two i, well, I busted one weld test when i first got it because that knob that little arc force knob and it mm-hmm. could have just been some of that lot that got me but it was <laughs> i blamed it on the machine because i'm not going to take credit for that but the uh, that little knob, you know, goes from ten to seven. So I've learned when I weld in or one to ten, the little knob, the little arc force knob. But I've learned when I was when I welded in third gear, you know, it keeps the puddle roll tight if you got it turned down. Well, I think I I was trying to skate a bead with it, and it wasn't really tying into the walls, the way or the bevels, the way you think it was. Yeah. And so I got away from that, and I'll just use it on 10. If it's in third gear, I'll just leave it on 10 unless I'm doing, like, we weld the girth welds on these sleeves. 
Mm-hmm. That's, and sometimes I'll put it on seven run that low high or six just because it puts such a slick bead on the pipe. But for the most part, I really don't bother. I don't mess with it. I don't do too much adjusting. Fourth gear, I run it on, you know, I'll probably put it on seven most of the time when I run it in fourth gear just because I know I got a little bit of control. But you can run it on 10. For a long time, I just run it like it was just a damn 200. Like that knob wasn't there. I just left it on 10. Third gear, fourth gear, whatever, just welded like that. Yeah, I've it's been uh, a solid machine. I've I've welded with a couple of them MPs, and I mean they seem like they get down. You know, all the ones I've welded with, they, you know, they're well and broken, got hours like yours do on them now, and the guys know they're where I don't have to worry about messing with it. I just their stinger and go, and I mean they mm-hmm. do seem like they they get down. You know, I run just an old tractor tractor looking machine anymore, and. I don't know. I uh, I'd like to have a nice a nice machine like your MP, but I don't know. I've I have a hard time wanting to use anything other than my old classics that I have right now. It all depends too. Like I bought that thing two years in my career, you know, and I knew that I was going to have it for ten more years. So just and at that time, I bought mine for fifteen thousand, right at sixteen thousand dollars. Well, now they're thirty grand for a new one. You know, it's so it's doubled in the price in the last four or five years. But um, I I was hoping that if I bought that machine, I wouldn't have to buy another one. You know, or buy I don't want to spend thirty thousand dollars on a machine, but I can't say that I won't either because the you know technology is only getting better, and so you buy a machine to make your life easier. I don't like to work on the damn thing, for sure. I'm not. I'm not working on pickups, and I ain't working on machines. Something tears up. I give it one or two times to being tore up, and I'm gonna get rid of it. No, you know, like you run. You run a Ford. I I run a Ford. I, I run a mine's a 15, and I've put a fuel system in it and a transmission. It's got 203,000 miles on it. Yeah, my uh, my Ford is a little bit newer than yours, but hell, it's on its third motor, and. Oh, shit. <laughs> I I bought it. It was two years old when I bought it, and they had just put a short block in it. And then I ran it for a little bit, and I sold it to a buddy. Um, and then he ran it for a couple years, and I bought it back from him when he blew the motor up, which it wasn't nothing that he'd done. It spun a bearing. It's I think it was just something that 17s were doing. Um, yeah. And then when I when I got it back from him with that bad motor, uh, I. I put a used motor out of an 18 in and I've put 150,000 miles on this, you know, on this motor now and knock on wood, you know, it's still running strong for me, but yeah. I'll, I'll probably keep putting motors in the thing over going and buying a new one just cause man, machines ain't the only thing that going up. Look at the price of trucks. Oh yeah. Like I want to be like, uh, I want to be like, uh, I'll just I'll just buy another truck, but I probably wouldn't if I'm mean, I put a ten thousand dollar transmission in it. So if you can buy a crate motor, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars, it just costs you know another three or four to put it in there, which is cheaper than getting back into fourteen, fifteen hundred dollar truck notes. Yep, I've I've had to do it to where like to stay busy or you know to not lose your job, you know go buy another truck just so you can keep going. You know, it's opportunity cost. You got to outweigh the good with the bad. 
and do what's right for you. But I've I, I've done it with welding machine too. My classic yeah. my classic went down on me in nineteen, and I couldn't I couldn't find a used machine that was worth buying. I couldn't get my machine into the shop. They were like three weeks out, and I made the executive decision to. I went out and bought a brand new Pipe Pro, uh, so I could stay working. Mm-hmm. And then, once I got my classic fixed, I sold the Pipe Pro and went back to running my old classic too. Yep. But sometimes you got to make them kind of hard decisions on. Well, do I go home with no welding machine and now I'm not bringing any money in, or? Yep. Do I spend the money to make money? And for yeah. sure, for sure. Like when my two hundred, I had two two hundreds, and one of them had something went wrong with the engine on it. So I put the the first one that I bought back on my truck. We was welding that thirty inch four forty one wall, and one day it just started full. I just like it just all of a sudden started pissing oil, and I was like, that's not good at all. So I called my wife, and I was like. We need to buy a new weld machine. I need. I'm gonna have to buy one like quickly. And she was like, "Well, are you gonna buy another used one, or do we just buy a new one?" I was like, "I think we just spend the money now to buy a new one." So I'd already kind of been looking at them, you know, and I already had this guy that I'd been talking to about them. So, but I couldn't decide at this time between an HE, a Pop Pro, or an MP. Couldn't really make one decision up because this this. This guy had a pipe pro and it tore up on him and they brought him another one and it was stainless package. They told him to keep it and he kept it. I mean, he had like 150 hours on this pipe pro that messed up. So he got the stainless package pretty much for free. So I kind of was like, well, do I just get a Miller? Because their warranty seems to be so great with them people that maybe I should just get a Miller and I won't have to worry about it no more. But also really like Lincoln Machines. So I was like, I'll give these guys a chance. This Lincoln guy called me, this sales rep for Lincoln. He calls me. I mean, I'm talking. He's like, if something ever happens to that machine, you call this number. We'll get it taken care of. So I had like 1,400 hours, maybe 1,500, maybe even 1,600 hours. And the rear main seal, I could see where dirt was starting to collect on. I was like, damn, that thing's leaking. And so I was like, well, I'll give it a little bit. We'll see, you know. So I sprayed it off. To try to get kind of an estimate of how bad it was leaking. Well, then one day at work, like I got the open hole in my bed yeah. and I was standing back and I could see a puddle and I was like, damn. So I dug around my truck till I found the card, called the guy and he was like, uh, yeah, man, I, I got to take care of. So this other guy calls me and he comes out there, gets my machine, carries it to a shop. Well, he brought me a 200 to weld with so I could continue welding. And then he carried my machine, had it back to me in like two days with the new front and rear seal. And ever since then, I had any problems with it. Well, hell, you can't beat that. So they did stand behind it, but now my warranty's out on it, and I want to chop the damn thing so bad. So I think I'm just going to call John Brown down in Weatherford and get my other machine put back together so I can put 200 on there. Man, and get this thing chopped. <clears throat> Man, once you have a chopped machine, it's hard to want to have anything else everything else just looks huge you know because mm-hmm. like my machine sitting in my truck is 23 inches tall like it's it's little little and 
like once you once you have something like that, uh, I mean, I'd have a hard time going back to a you know a skyscraper machine because mm-hmm. in my head, I mean, just them little machines just look gangster as hell. Right. Like I'm, I'm I'm into I'm into that kind of stuff, and like a lot of people ain't, but it's a hell of a conversation piece too, because you know my right. machine, you know it's super little, and then it's patinaed, and I have pinstriping all over it, and I don't know. Anytime someone walks up, they they like to admire it, and I love that. I like seeing people right. smile and think stuff is that I think is cool is also cool. Right. You know? I I can't count on, on both my hands and all my toes how many times I've walked out of the Home Depot or Lowe's or Walmart or whatever. Some old man's over there taking pictures of my truck. He's like, that's like, uh, what's that damn movie called? Um, shit. Like a Frankenrig or whatever because the truck, you know, it's a King Ranch pickup. And you got the old patina welding bed on the back, you know, and then you got the welding machine. and Old man oh, yeah. thinks it's cool, you know. Not like it's like a rat rod, you know, but whatever they call it. They call it some shit, but they always seem to enjoy looking at it and taking pictures and all that stuff. And then, like, up here, it's weird being up here because there is no welding trucks up here, really, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, West Texas, a welding truck's a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. But you come up here, and these these people, they might only see them when we're around. And they, uh, like, just earlier, I uh, we was texting where I was at the grocery store. Come out, there's an old man taking a picture of my truck. They they think it's cool, but at the same time, these people don't really care much for us either. And that's that's a weird thing in itself. Because they're in the UP where they got 180-something inches of snow last year. I, you figured they'd be big fans of uh, natural gas, but I guess they'd rather cut down the trees. But, oh, yeah. People realize is I don't think they realize how how much the world depends on oil and gas. And I'm not saying that, oh, the oil and gas industry is everything to do with life because it's not. I mean, like, there's plenty of other jobs out there that are just as important, you know, like being a lineman. Uh, you know, even a crackhead needs electricity to charge, charge their phone to call them by crack. So, like, their job's just as important, too. But for sure, like when you see people wanting to protest that, like the MVP just kicked back off here, what a month or two ago? Oh yeah, people are wanting to protest, saying, "Oh, pipelines are bad. Pipelines are bad." Like, well, how'd you how'd you get to that place to protest? You took a car. Well, what fuels your car? Oil and gas. So the uh-huh. protest in my in my mind is. Oh, counterproductive. Well, your tires on your car come from oil. I mean, there's there's literally a million things that come from oil that people are like, you know, like we can get rid of this and we can get rid of big oil and all that stuff, but you wouldn't have shit in your house because I mean, if you got a fan in your bedroom at night, circulating air, most of that thing come from oil. You oh, know, yeah. the little plastic shroud. The fins in it, you know, um, it's just, and then you talk about these lithium mines and stuff. Well, I've been on thousands of right-of-ways all throughout the country from the Northwest, 
like the Pacific Northwest, all the way down into Louisiana, into Mississippi. And most of the time, when okay, you say there's there's a pipeline down in Louisiana that crosses I twenty. And I remember when they was laying that line. I think it was Tory doing it or whatever. I went to my parents' house. They live in Alabama. Well, come come back through there. They're laying a pipe or whatever. You see where the right of way is cut at. Two years or a year later, I went back that route. It might have been two years going back that route. And I had to really study to remember where it was at to even see it. You know, and but you got the big turbines and the solar panels stretched for days across pastures or the lithium mines that they, I don't know if people even look. But I've been seeing them on TikTok where they strip it back. That's that's never coming back. No. And you go that deep in the ground and you move all that topsoil to God knows where, never coming back. And no. like working for the gas company that I work for, they're their two biggest things is safety and, and environmental. Like they do not fool around with environmental. They will run you off for sipping snuff and spitting it on the grass at a at one of their facilities. But I can't say who they are, but they're super strict when it comes to uh, tobacco products and all that on their properties. Even like when they move, like they go out there to dig one of these digs and they strip back the topsoil. I don't know how deep it is. I'm not an operator, but that's to build a silt fence to keep all that dirt in. And then they, you know, then they strip it foot or 18 inches and they got to put that dirt over here. And then they get, you know, it's just the process of how they go about digging these these pipelines up and then you know to get the coating off they bring in this contractor they got to put down all this plastic stuff strip the coating off the pipe and you got to sandblast it off and all that material has to be kept and sent to some lab well not all of it but they send samples of it to the lab to make sure they don't have the best to send it blah 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 because most of these lines we're digging up are you know 50 60 70 some of them maybe an 80 pipeline they've been in the ground for a minute Oh yeah, yeah. It's a uh, man. I I think really, and I don't know. I'm obviously biased because I'm in in the pipeline industry. But from everything I've ever seen, anytime a a right of way runs through a landowner's property, the land is generally better, you know, after the line comes through than what it was before it come through. Well, for sure. So, and then people probably got paid, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars, blah blah blah, for so much right away. Like a guy I know, they cut a hundred foot by, I think it was only on his property for like three hundred feet or some shit that it just nicked the corner of his property. They paid him like four hundred something thousand dollars. Man, I well, that, there was a creek there close by, and they. I want to say they rerouted the creek. It was something like that. It was either a tank was in that, sitting there, and they moved the tank or creek. It was one of the two, but they went and handled all that, and I was down there on this property like two or three years ago, and it looked like it never happened. You know, it's... Yeah, I need some pipeline to cross my land. Right, right. You know, that's winning the lottery. That that's winning the lottery right there. Well, like you take the landowner stuff where we cross or where we go to these digs at and stuff. Like up here, it's a bunch of national forest stuff like that. Up here, it's a bunch of state-owned land or government land, and that's that's a whole other book in itself. 
about all the stipulations that go in on that. But mm-hmm. you go down to Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, where you're out in these landowners stuff. They, I, I, I feel like they're not that. They're super reasonable people, but the the respect that they expect the company to have for their property is is far none. And and the contractors that get to keep the work are the ones that, you know, go out there and take the time to understand what like the landowner wants an air bridge built across this little ditch for whatever reason. You know, that's that's the company to keep the work most of the time, but. And then they got cattle, you know, they got cattle running out there and keeping them out of the falling in a bell, breaking a leg, you know, it's just, they put up little electric fences around it. I've been shocked a few times. Come on. But it's, uh, it's always interesting. Like, we don't deal with the public as much as, you know, say a lineman. They might be in the middle of town working on a transformer or whatever, but when we do deal with the public, sometimes it's more of a negative thing because especially up north i don't understand why these people need more they need the gas up here compared to texas where it's 120 degrees right now well here it's already getting to the 40s at night you know yeah but man um you know i think it's just what a lot of it stems back to and my unprofessional opinion is with with landowners is their first how their first interaction with someone from the oil and gas industry was will set the pace for how they feel, you know, all the time, but I'd say most of the time. And like, if someone come out to ask them about running this line across their land and they're professional or nice or whatever, like they're going to get along. Uh, We had a landowner come out to us the other day. um, And he was telling us, you know, when they were, when they come to talk to him about running through their land, they were super nice. Asked, you know, if there's anything special he wanted. And in turn, that landowner was nice to us welders. And he actually gave me permission to hunt on his land. So, like, that's a a win-win. They they have a good experience, and shit rolls downhill. So, you know, it caught me, and now I get to have a good experience with that landowner. And he has a good experience with me because I'm wanting to help manage his coyote population on his land another thing like being up north and stuff well when you're in west texas or new mexico whatever like i said you're a dime a dozen there's welders everywhere but you get in these small northern towns and they don't have they don't have welders like down south and stuff so every little thing you do is always up under a microscope and that that's been a hard curveball for for me and some of the other guys to learn that work and do what we do is because these little towns, you know, if you go to the bar and you get a fight with local or whatever, all that stuff comes to comes a lot quickly, you know, because there's already townspeople that don't want us here. Some of us, some of them don't care. They're not involved, whatever. But but then people that find out that you know you're a welder and you work for such and such and such and such, that it comes back so fast, you know. So you always got to be on your P's and Q's. But it makes it nice because it just keeps us from going out very much, which saves money in the long run. Man, I had a I had a similar conversation with my helper not too long ago. Um, you know about how to, how to act when you're when you're out, and not that my helper's a kid or anything, but you know he he's a he's a grown ass man 
too, but helpers don't always see stuff the same way just because, you know, whether it's their first time out or, right. you know, they just need someone else to, to put an idea in their head. And I just tell them like, hey, man, you are a reflection of me. For sure. So like how you act and what you do and how hard you work is a reflection of me because if I'm not around and you're going to help someone else out, if you do a half-assed job, they're going to think that that's what I'm teaching you because, yep. you know, helping ain't about going out there and making a paycheck. Helping's going out there to learn how to make a better paycheck, yep. you know, to, to become a welder essentially. Sure. So if you go do a half-assed poor job and want to run your mouth to some other welder that may not know you or may not know me, like you are a reflection of me and I promise you, I've worked extremely hard over the years to try to make a decent name for myself. And I'd like to think that I've done that because, I mean, I I stay busy now. So sure. I must be doing something right. I mean, I'm, my, my LOT, my LOT gets made up with my work ethic. Right. So, you know, I'm not That's a lot slickest, of us. I'm not the slickest welder by no means. I try every day to get better, but there's definitely a lot more people out there that are a lot better than me, but I try to make sure I pride myself on, you know, I show up on time every single day. I don't bitch and I'm going to work hard. And I try to, you know, I try to put that into a helper's brain too. Like work ethic isn't something that, you know, something that can be taken away from anybody. Yep. So and everybody but, everybody notices that stuff. You know, and you know, I always say it's not it's not me that's gonna keep you busy, but it's all these other welders, all these other guys standing around watching you work. That's what's gonna help keep you busy. I'm one person. There's forty people in this job, other helpers, you know, operators, superintendents, everybody, they, they can watch you and that's what's gonna help continue to propel your career and not so much um me, I mean, I'm going to help you all I can, but at the end of the day, I'm one guy where you could have built contacts with 40 other people, you know? Man, social networking, you know, you say build contacts with other people. Social networking, whether it's online or in person, whatever, is huge. Like, for sure. You know, especially in this industry where everybody talks, you know, welders are always talking. We're a bunch of drama llamas for the mm. most part. People are going to talk and like people can either talk good or they can talk bad or, yep. you know, that's social networking is huge. It's, it's helped me and it's saved my, it saved my tail before I've had dudes that I don't know hit me up on Instagram and be like, Hey man, I see you out here in, out here in Midland. Like you looking for a test and whether I was or not, you know, Hey, well, what you got going on? Maybe it's worth coming to. And you know, it's dudes that I don't even know, but I put a lot of my life online. I feel like people like to see see what we do, and I've For been sure. able to I've been able to make a lot of good friends. And I mean, look where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for social media, like you wouldn't know who I am, and I wouldn't know who you are. I can't remember who pointed me in your direction. Somebody. I'll think of it eventually. But somebody set us up to talk at the beginning when we, you know, we, 
we've been talking for like six months now, but so, there was somebody that was like, hey, man, check this guy out or something. Yeah, I, know you, I know you got your TikTok stuff going on. Maybe I wrote you. Maybe I just wrote you on TikTok. Yeah, you uh, you commented on one of my videos asking, you know, if I'd be interested in checking out what you got going on. And, like, I'm all for it. I think I think what you're doing should have been done, and maybe it has been done by someone else or been done a long time ago. And if Not has, the way – there is Weldon podcasts out there. And I've listened to them and stuff, but they're more – plant like robot kind of podcast i'm not taking anything away from the guys i'm not taking anything away from them at all but i wanted to build i wanted to have the podcast to to get to know people in their lives you know because all of us got different stories you know you you come from missouri i've had guys i had joel on he's from mississippi i've had texas guys on you know guys from oklahoma guys from louisiana it's just everybody's got a story and that's that's what I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be a conversation with guys from New Mexico, you know. Everybody's got some sort of story of how we got to where we were at in the world, you know. And I didn't want I didn't want to be I wanted to be a conversation and not be robotic to where I, where you couldn't say, Well like we talked about the companies earlier, like every everything has a consequence, right? But it can't hold you against freedom of speech. You know, I'm, we're all Americans, and everybody has the right to know the truth. So, I agree, I man. I've, I've, you know, I, I listen to podcasts not super regularly, um, and when I do, I, I normally, uh, you know, I, I normally just listen to the same couple guys, just because you know they're, I think they got interesting stuff. Like Andy, you ever listen to Andy Frazella? Uh, with no. first name. Uh, no, uh, the name sounds familiar. I think I've seen him on Instagram not long ago, and he sounded. It, I'm pretty sure I've seen him on Instagram. Maybe it was TikTok. And well, uh, Andy Frazella, he he runs a entrepreneurial based podcast, um, and stuff like a lot of his podcasts are about. Just making your life better, and not necessarily with money, but like freaking just beating into your brain. Like, man, work hard. No matter what you're doing, you know, work hard, persevere, don't give up. And like, I, I like hearing that, and I need to hear that sometimes because there's sure. there's definitely times where, like, man, I've kicked around the idea of like selling selling my machine, and not that stuff was going bad or anything, but it's like you just get in one of the moods where, man, to hell with this. And For sure. I I hate to say that, but I feel like we've all gone through it. Like, man, this ain't worth it. I should be home right now. And like, uh, you know, uh, you know, who David Goggins is. Yes. Have you seen him talk to him? that guy's a freaking nature? But like, yeah. like Joe Rogan. Okay, he keeps his podcast like a conversation for the most part, you know. And like Stephen Ranella, I don't know if you knew that is the mediator. That's mm, what he's yes. really the guy that got me into podcasting altogether because just listen to him. And then there's the Big Honker podcast, which is about duck hunting and stuff. And I'm not even a duck hunting guy, but I know I know Andy Shaver and Jeff Statterfield. I know him personally, 
And so when they start doing their podcast, like I watched it grow from like what I'm doing now to where now they videotape it and they have all these guests on and stuff. It's but it's not a money thing. They're just spreading the message about geese and duck hunting. They also have the Prince of Poachers on there. It's just they they get a little poorly cool and stuff, but they they built a brand on telling stories pretty much or having people come tell their stories about the duck hunting and all that stuff. And I, I found that to be super interesting. So when I started this thing, I was like, me and Dalton and Hagen was sitting down in Kansas and I was telling them, they're like, oh, you got to do it. You got to do it. So I started out with just recording on my phone and I bought the iPad and now I have the fancy headphones and microphones. When, But I ain't got to record a podcast in person in months since I've done Nathan Montez's. Most of mine's been remotely, which is, it's not bad, but I want to get to where I can where I can re- like record I got a mid bump fifth wheel I got mm-hmm. to sit up a little room in there we can record in there blah 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 but where I can videotape and stuff and then people can put a face in there and that's why I, like the TikTok things like Joel Welch you uh, Bernardo Sanchez Jonathan Valdez they all had big TikTok followings and Facebook followings and Instagram followings so everybody knows y'all's face and I mean I have a decent following on my social medias but i don't know i got bored with tiktok so fast but now i'm trying to i want i want to convert it from being a being a fool or whatever to doing the podcast and stuff you know but i mean i think you're on the right track i uh yeah I, i do have a decent following on my tiktok but man i think that that is just out of pure luck i mean I'll yeah. be completely honest with you. You I'll got good content, post- though. Funny content. I'll just be posting stuff on there that I think is funny. And, like, hey, if someone else does, hell yeah, brother. Because, like, yeah. I don't follow hardly anybody. Like, I think I follow six people. And that's just because I found out that if you don't follow anybody, like, you can't view nothing. Yeah. So that's a thing. Um I know. I don't know how many people I follow on TikTok. I follow all my buddies, you know, everybody I know, like you and Nate, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, also I, tell- I have like 5,000 followers. But I have like a, like a million views on some videos. But yeah. and then I got some, some bad stuff because they're like, why don't you just continue to do the truck reviews? Or, you know, I was doing like these tours of people's welding trucks. And I was like, I don't know. I got bored with it. And then I, I done a little money making. I got bored with that because I can only talk so much stupid shit. And I was like, and then I started doing the podcast. Well, you know, the first 10 episodes come out pretty easy. Wasn't that hard to find the time to record. But then you go to welding, like laying pipe and stuff, and you're in New Mexico, but you're working in Texas. Or, you know, you don't you don't come off right away until 5 o'clock. When you get home at 6 o'clock, you got to take a shower, feed the dog, eat something, get ready to go to bed so you can get up and do it all again. Another reason I'm thankful to be back on digs because I got a little bit more free time. It's just getting the people that I want to do the shows with to have some free time. It's like you know, you've been busy. We've tried to hit a few times and it didn't work. And like I'm trying to get Bo on, Bo Jackson on, but he's you know he's working here and he's driving here and he's he's trying to get his house put together. And that man's always doing projects and not just a simple project. He he makes everything way fancier than it has to be for the normal person, but it's one of his things he likes to do. He likes to get fancy with it. But hope to get him on this week. So that way I'll have I'll have three this will be four. I have five 
sitting in the hole. But I need to. Rec- I want to record till I get like 15 episodes again before, or get 15 episodes before I really start letting them go. Then I could do Monday or Tuesday and Thursday, like I was trying to do at the beginning, or Monday yeah. and Friday. You know, I. Uh, you like you said, we've been trying to collaborate here for a minute, and finally we got a night to where we could sit down and do this, and. It's hard. It's hard when you're working, especially like I'm sure. commuting. I'm commuting an hour and a half each way. So like by the time I get home, you know my wife needs attention, my daughter mm-hmm. needs attention, and then by the time you know I put put my little girl to bed and try to talk with my wife, you know give her some attention. Right. It's it's ten o'clock. Well, mm-hmm. hell, you know by ten o'clock, ain't no one trying to start a podcast. You know, yeah. on, a, on a Monday night at 10 o'clock. Yeah, it rolls in. It'll be, I mean, it'll be 11, 30, 12 o'clock sometimes. Like, me and, me and Bernardo, me and, it might have been me and Nate. We talked for like two and a half hours. I was like, oh, Jesus, bud. I got to, I got to cut this way down. Because, you know, uh, like welders and, and kids that are getting into welding. Like, I see the analytics just like TikTok and everything else. So the age bracket runs from like 16 to 21. I get a lot of listens through there. And then it skips up to like 30 to 40, I think it is, or 45. It's somewhere in that in that next age bracket there. I get a lot of listens there. And then I got this other whole little section over here of women listeners. And I don't know who the women listeners are, but I appreciate it. Because it's like 2% over here, which is it – wasn't, it wasn't that way for a long time. And now all of a sudden it's – it's, I guess it's like TikTok or anything else. You lose traction, then you gain a lot of traction again. You know, like, and I, I've had people been messaging me, you know, on the, I'm trying to get everybody moved from my personal accounts to that on the road on Instagram and stuff. So I don't have so much of that going on in there because, I mean, people should know by now I don't post that much on my social media. But I'm trying to get a move to the Out on the Road podcast on Instagram so I can have the questions and stuff in there and I can go through and you know it's a public account it's not private the way that my personal one is like I got like 400 and something followers sitting in my Instagram account and they will never be across that bridge like like you and they like people that I know I, I move on in there but the rest of them I'm not moving you into my personal life because it just leaves you open to scrutiny and um, that's what Bernardo told me and I kind of agree with him you know the more it the more things kind of the the wheel starts to turn, the the more bad like people grab about the quality. Like I like I told you the other night, I'm like, man, it's, people want a certain kind of quality. I've had comments about that, and, I, and that's okay, and it's all fine and dandy. But I've also done podcasts sitting outside with the wind blowing in West Texas. Nobody said anything about that, you know. It's but people are always going to find something to to complain about. They hear I mean, a train horn in one of them, they're like, oh man, you know. Or, Bernardo was driving a little bit during our podcast, but he don't have the big tires like, you know, like we have on our trucks where it's, you know, his truck's newer and he's still got factory tires on it. Man, have you cruised through any of the comments on my Facebook? Like on those posts? Hey, if you're looking to kill a couple hours, cruise over to my Facebook because, like, I have 27,000 followers on my Facebook. 
and like I'll be posting stuff that you know might be controversial. I don't know. I think it's funny. That's that's my thing. Is like I just want to post stuff that I think is neat and funny. Well, and, I shared your post today. I mean, it's super good. I, I like talking about pipeline etiquette. You know, these young there's some young guys and old guys that forget that there's a way of doing this business all the time. I mean, I've I've been guilty of it, forgetting that. You know, you should lay down so your partner gets down there with you, you know. You, maybe if you're well with a greener guy, you don't flush out on him this fat. Unless he's running his mouth and all's fair and love and war, you know. And we, like like Jonathan Valdez says, we racing. We on that fire line. Oh, yeah. Man, you ever been on a job where people don't care about the whole racing or, like, not understanding the urgency behind the firing line. But I, I work for Punko. <laughs> I know all about I know all about uh, skipping or leapfrogging, you know, getting left behind. I got my ass drugged the first time I ever worked for him. But you live and you learn. Yeah. Man, I was on a job. Well, when I went up there to North Dakota, the guys that were – I was leading the firing line, and it wasn't much of a firing line. I don't want this to come out sounding like it was some big job. It was seven miles of 16-inch. So there was we had like three or four setups. And sometimes we had less, and sometimes we had more. But my my weld boss, he is from East Texas, and like he's a lifelong dedicated pipeliner, and like he gets down. Like he will hurt some feelings if you go to run in your mouth. And uh, he's like, hey, you know, y'all are in the hole. We need to catch, y'all need to catch up. I'm like, okay. He's like, them guys back there, if they start going slow or something, like, burn them down, peel up to the next one. Like, and, you know, I, I hate doing that. It's like, especially like, I'm not even that fast of a welder. And everyone that has welded with me knows that I'm not that fast of a welder. But, uh, like, I go to burn these guys down. And I pull up to the next one, and they stay hanging out back there. And they come up to me like, hey, man, what are you doing? Why are you pulling up? Like, because we got to go, dude. We have yeah. got to go. They're like, no, nah, man, it's cool. Like, we're just going to hang out back here. I was oh, like, then you get to be the, the cocksucker or ass kisser, whatever you want to call it, you know. But there's, exactly. a time, there's a time and a place where you put out, especially if you're working for a good boss, because there's been times I've been called upon or, you know, the group's been called upon the fire line whatever to put out and that it is what it is you know if he's taking care of you you know wind out day where his shoe got two but he talks him into giving you four or, you know you left early one day to go to whatever you know a doctor form or whatever and he paid you for 10 when you should have got six you know it's them things add up you know or maybe you left early on saturday and you still got your 10 hours I mean, all all that stuff balls up so when when a man comes back here and be like hey man we're 50 or 60 in the hole i need y'all to catch up and it shouldn't it shouldn't even be a question but you get you get a certain group of welders around that just not really going against old men or whatever but they are it could be young dudes but they got this certain mindset about how it's supposed to be done well it is supposed to be done that way but you can also get your ass run off for being slower than christmas you know it's it's part of it mm-hmm. like like the line we laid in Crane over there. I'm not going to say the company and stuff, but it was all on Maruka buggies. 15 setups. Well, me and the partner I had were at the very back of the fire line because we was going to fix repairs and all that stuff. Well, 
we tried to use radios and stuff, but it never works. Batteries die, you know, we ain't got no cell phone service to talk to the guy up front. So, you know, the people's pulling up. Well, midway through the firing line, they get pulled up there. They need to pop up. They go to Welton. And we're, we're not even up there yet because we're waiting on people that was in front of us. You know, we're trying to be assholes and skip nobody. So we call the little boss we have a conversation with, and he's like, jump them all. Jump everybody. Show them. And so we did. We done it all day one day. We just get in front of that. That was the day that we got the most setups till we got up the whole time we was there. You know, but it, and there was some pissed off people when the helpers was on the Maruka going around them. There was some guys throw their hands up and stuff, but, you know, it, you can only set, I'm only going to set up my hands so long. I'm, you know, if you're going to fire for me and continue to fire for me, well, then let's, let's get to racing. Does talk. And the welding partner I was welding with, that joker, man, he's slick and fast as shit, too. Well, I'm not slick by any means. Decently fast. But that old boy there, if you are slow, you're going to learn to get faster because he's fast. And then you try to get slick. I was trying to be real slick because he was putting on some slick caps, and I didn't want the inspector to freaking start judging me super hard, you know, because he'd look at his side of the five and couldn't look at mine. He's like, this, this kid's fucking blind. But... <laughs> It was a good job. Overall, it was a good job. The the slower guys that was holding it up, you know, as as the weeks went on, you know, the days went on, it steadily got faster and faster and faster, you know. But, Man, by I, the end of it, you know, it's just a just a system. We was rolling by the end of it. Man, I don't know about you, but like I was telling my helper today on our way home from work, I was like, I need to just quit trying so damn hard and weld because like this – this guy that I'm welding with right now, uh, he puts on some just beautiful freaking caps. Like we're we're tying in uh, some launchers and receivers right now, and you know, so it's all fab. It's above ground. Like you want your stuff to look good. Oh yeah, because it's in everybody's eyesight forever. Yep, and like this guy I'm welding with, like he puts on super pretty, pretty, pretty caps. I mean, them weld porn caps, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I know I can do it, too, but I can't do it if, like, I'm trying my hardest to do it. Now, if I just put a rod in my stinger and go to welding, I can put on a pretty slick-looking cap. But here the past couple of days, I've been trying so hard, so my stuff looks as good as his. And I don't think I've put on a pretty weld in, like, shit, almost a week. Cause I've been trying so damn hard. Yeah. So like I was telling him today on my way home, man, tomorrow when we come in, I'm just going to have to go back to welding, you know, how I normally do and quit trying so right. hard. For sure. Well, cause but, then you get to squint and you get to drawing yourself in closer and closer. Cause you're like, if I can just see that one little side of that weld, it'll make all the difference. But it, weld with Jose, he would, he would get his side done and you'd be coming across the bottom of and he would be telling you, you know, try this, try that. And then one day I went to the front end. Well, for like two days, I went to the front end to do some hot passing. And he welded with my machine stone back there. And he, he adjusted it to where it welded right for him. And I come back here and welded with it, dude. And it was so much better. I was like, holy shit. should let you weld with it before. You could already tell me I should try this. It is. Yep. And, you know, rod angle has just as much to do with it as anything. And I think sometimes I get lazy the way that I bend my rods and my angle. I think I get a little lazy with it. But I also never cared about being slick when I was 
early in my career. I've just been that way for about like the past two years that I'm like, God, I just want to be slick because I've welded with a lot of really slick welders. I'm like, I just want to be slick. I want to be, I want to keep my speed and be slick because I broke out as a hot pass hand. So I never had to worry about being slick besides taking a welding test. And I had to be slick because it was in West Texas. I just had to be better than average. I didn't have to be all crazy with it. Just be a good, you know, keep welds clean. Wasn't a big deal. But now as I've gotten a little bit more and I've done more fabbing and all that stuff above ground, I'm like, I just want to be slick. just want to be slick. Man, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I'm a slow welder. Anyone that welds with me, like they know, or I shouldn't say I'm a slow welder. I'm not a fast welder. Like I, I can keep up. I, I don't, I don't have a problem keeping up. But I promise you that I'm nine times out of ten, I'm not going to be the first one done. But no. I make sure that I'm not the last one done. And sure. I still try to make my every single weld I I put on the pipe. I try to make sure it's just as pretty as pretty can be. Because mm-hmm. and it's, it's not that I'm afraid of someone walking up. If someone does walk up, I don't want them to walk up and be like, oh, man, you don't take no pride in your shit. Well, no, right, man, I, for sure. I do. I take a lot of pride in, like, when I put an ugly one down, like, I'll, I'll get bent out of shape over it. But you have them days. I've had, where... some, uh, I've had some hungover mornings where I know I put some shit on the pipe. I'm like, just, just take it. Just, the inspector just buy this one up because – you know, you say you welded for them two or three, four weeks before or whatever. They know what your potential is. And then you throw mm-hmm. down an ugly one. They, most of the time, they don't even bat an eye about it. You know, they might find a pinhole or gripe about a drop ripple or something. But they know what you can officially do. You know, like, always, when I get online or whatever, I get around a new inspector, I always try to figure out what they're hunting, you know, what they're looking for. Because then once you know that, well, you, you can know what you can get to, away with. Yeah, and you can weld to what they're looking for. And then, you know... They get to a point towards you know, actually welded for them for five, six, seven miles. They're really not even looking at your shit. You know, they're just riding VTA okay on it and continuing on. That and yeah. that speeds you up. But you know, if you're on a firing line and stuff, it that just speeds you up even more. You know. Oh yeah. Because you know, like the inspector we weld up here on these sleeves with, I welded for him last year, so he knows me and my brother-in-law partner, which is Dalton, but. He knows me and Dalton, so he, he don't really question what we what we do. You know, he just comes over quick little once over, and we're on about our business. That's that's. I think that's how it ought to be. You ought to be able to form a relationship with the inspector. You know, if you care about what you got going on now, sure. I don't know if everybody thinks this way, but like he ought to be able to just walk up and just glance at it and be like, "Yeah, that's good." Like, that's what you, in my head, that's what I strive for. Like, I don't want someone, you know, staring my welds down. Not that I'm putting anything bad down, but it makes me feel a hell of a lot better when he can just cruise up there and he knows that I walked away from the pipe knowing damn well that he ain't got to call me back on nothing. Because it is, man, it's almost as embarrassing as catching a damn repair when you got to fall back and fix something. For sure. For sure. And then, you know, if, if that man, if it's 120 degrees outside and you're laying pipe in West Texas and he's got to lay down to look at your bottoms, that is, that's not that's not what you want at all. <laughs> you want him to be able to just walk back there and, and know that it's, you know, you might find a little pinhole or something, but overall it's going to be a good, a good weld. And he can just glance at it. 
and he can get back in that AC pretty quick. Cause yep. you can keep them that way. You can keep an inspector happy, especially the older ones. Yep. Now, I've dealt with some young guys that 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 really don't have no business being inspectors because they never pipeline. They just mom and dad or uncle or whatever was a inspector, so they kind of just roped their way into it. And I appreciate their uh, suggestions on what I could do better welding, but if you ain't ever welded, then I don't think you got any business telling me how to burn a rod. And that's that's uh, that's the cold, hard truth about it. Because just because you read that book don't mean that I use that welding machine to the same range or whatever that you uh, – because sometimes, you know, you might need to be in third gear. You might need to be in fourth gear. Like I like to fab in third gear, but if it's – 24-inch 500 wall, well, I like to put it in fourth gear. And sometimes I might be a little bit out the parameters, you know, with the heat stuff that you're putting in the pipe. But I'm going to weld I'm gonna weld where I know that it, it's going to be a good quality weld. No matter if I'm a little colder or a little hotter, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weld where I know that I can walk away from it and say that that's the best I can do, you know. I, I had an inspector come up to me one time and tell me my machine was – my machine was out of parameters, and I needed to change change this with my machine and change this what I'm doing with my hand. I was like, all right, well, you know what? If that's what you think, I can do that. And here, you can put my stencil on the pipe, but go ahead and burn this rod. Well, well, I can't actually weld. Well, then don't be telling me how to run my hand. Right. And I don't, I don't want to sound like an arrogant asshole or nothing. But yeah, but it's just bullshit. I, I did pop off to this inspector one time named Corey Mitchell, and he did go get a welding hood, and he made a weld just to prove his point. That some bitch is slick, and I hope I don't get. I don't. I don't even know if Corey even does this anymore. This has been, it's been like seven or eight years ago. So good luck finding the pop that I'm talking about. But uh, <laughs> it uh, that joke, dude. He was like, "If you do this on the bottom," and I was I was young, I was early in my career, and I was like, "Won't you show me?" Went on over to his pickup, got his hood, and come back and showed me. Hurt and them said, feelings too, didn't he? <laughs> I, I said, "Okie doke." And then I later on, I got him to show me again, but uh, or help me some more. He was he was a good inspector to work for. He and that's on buck. He's slick. And there's another welder named Parker Reese. He worked for Corey for a while, and Parker Reese is just as slick, maybe man, even slicker. Man, inspectors are just like management like if you got a good inspector you can have a good time and if oh, you got sure. a bad in, bad inspector your day's about to suck sure so but i've been pretty blessed here especially doing what i'm doing again now because i know i know the majority of the inspectors that work for this gas company because they use the same guys over and over and over and i've I pretty much strictly worked for this guest for the past three years, so I've gotten to know a lot of the guys. And the only ones that are pretty rough is the environmental guys, but they're held to such a high standard that they have to be that way. It's not – I mean, outside of work, most of them seem pretty cool, but when they're on them right away and stuff, they're straight by that book. But yep. so, there's a job online. Everybody's got a job to do, you know. There's a there's a time to, to push the envelope and a time to, to you know – do it exactly how it's supposed to be done. It's like ping and pipe. It's their job to to tell me not to, and it's my job to not get caught pinging it. Right. You know, I've never been a big pinging guy because by the time I sit there and whack that pipe three or four times, because I'm never very accurate with the hammer and the wedge, 
I could already run a three inch band aid and been rolled up on about my business. But I got some buddies that's got these little tools that are pretty sneaky with them. But the spring loaded, the spring loaded punches. Yeah, I just weld over it. Well, I did catch a repair one time for a pinhole that I thought I covered up, but it didn't get covered. Or no, I tried to ping it, and it didn't close up all the way, and they called me out on it. But mm-hmm. it was more in the center. It wasn't on the side. It was more in the center. So it, I mean, it looked more like ferocity. But see, I won't ping. I won't ping in the center. If it's on the edge and it's little, I'll ping it. And if it's if it's it's where it's big. You know, I'll bump it with a grinder and I'll run me a Band-Aid or I ain't going to say that I've done this. I might take the end of a burnt rod and fill it in a little bit and see what I can get away with. But I normally only do that if I miss a bevel. Right. Don't tell no one my secrets here. But. Hey, uh, well, this one was like where I fired up a rod and it was like just a little bitty. It wasn't even a full like pinhole. It wasn't like a perfect circle. It was just like a little bitty. And I thought I closed it up, but it didn't close up enough. Mm. But if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. You know, I got ways when I take a weld test that I like to say that it's cheating, but it's probably not. But makes me feel good about it. Right. You know? No, I think, I mean, I'm I'm not condoning cheating in any way, shape, or form. But like you said, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. We all got families to feed. Heard that. Well, I've enjoyed our conversation, Dakota. I know you finally get on about your eating. I need to eat and get ready for my busy day tomorrow. My helper just got back to the camper, and we'll see about his uh, life, life for the weekend that he got to spend at home. But uh, you want to tell him your – you sell caps too, right? Yeah, so uh, when I took – when I took the little over a year off, I started a trucking company with another welder. And uh, our trucking company is 2R Cattle Co. Um, and, you know, I started off just making hats for us and, you know, my guys that we ended up having work for us. And then it turned into people hitting me up, hey, man, I, you know, I like that hat. Can I get one? And now I've, hell, I've been selling, I just sent 10 hats to Australia last week. Oh, yeah. Um, so I've been, been kind of dabbling and selling some hats. Nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, it's hard to. I'm not very good at the logistics of it because I have to pay. You know, I'm not making them myself. I have to source it out. Right. Um, and it's hard for me to keep track of of all the orders, and then get them made and then get them shipped. Um, which I'm actively actively working with someone right now to to make my buying process easier and getting hats to you easier and faster and cheaper. Um, but yeah, I I do be selling some, some hats that people seem like they've really taken a liking to. Um, and I'm going to, after I finish this job, I think I'm going to have a couple weeks off between this one and the next one. Um, and I'm going to, do another round of hats and i normally do about 100 at a time because i mean they're expensive right yeah you know, I'm, I'm i, making, I don't ever i don't ever do 100 at a time i do like 20 of them at a time and the 
I used to try to keep like uh, like I'd get a two T hat made, like I'm wearing a black and white one right now. Yeah. And then uh, I would get just a variety of colors, you know, like red and white, blah blah blah. And I used to try to keep one color of a hat because I I hardly ever go back to the same color I bought I bought before. Well, then then you run into the you know some somebody didn't get a hat. They're like, oh man, I sure would like one of them hats. I'm like, well. You got thirty bucks. I'll sell you one of my other hats, and then now I'll have a white and black one. Black. I have two black and white ones, and a red and white one left. And it's just, and I don't, I don't even understand why they want to walk around with two T on their head. It's you know, but people like the brand. I guess the whole yellow Yellowstone stuff. They like the brand. They like the cattle hats. They like the whatever. Like I don't understand how Nate keeps up with all these gloves and all that stuff. Or like Chris with Wobros. I mean, he's got this whole operation. It's too much it's definitely it can definitely be you know hard to handle i'm sure them guys are moving a lot more volume than what i do um but i feel like like my hats it's the style that kids i shouldn't say just kids people are are into right now them classic Yupong hats with mm-hmm. something simple on it you know mine is i got two designs that i've been putting out and i got some other ones that i haven't haven't released into the wild yet, but I got one with a big 2R on it, you know, because that's my company name, 2R Cattle mm-hmm. Co. And then I got one with a picture of a cow with the brand on, you know, the cow's ass. And, you know, people like simple and clean, and I don't know, it's it's worked out good for me. I just um, buy the, uh, the Richardson Outdoor hats that you can get wet and they dry like 20 minutes later. Yeah. And just a simple stitch. You know, I, I need to get you a couple of them sent to you. I hopefully I'll order another batch here before too long, and I'll send you some. But well, I'm gonna. I've been spending a lot train. of money on pod, the podcasting shit. That's where I, I spend too much money on this. And so I'm like, well, that like somebody hit me up the other day on TikTok. They're like, what about stickers for the podcast? I'll get some stickers made. This guy's like a hat. Well. I don't, I don't know. Out on the road on a ball cap seems like a little too much. So I'll probably just stick to the 2T hats. But the uh, I've been talking to a, to a gal about T-shirts and stuff. I may do some T-shirts but or hoodies or something, you know, because word of mouth is everything. And if, you, if somebody's wearing your merch and somebody sees it and they like it, then it kind of trickles and trickles and trickles. Like, like when I do the TikToks where I got the wig on with the gold chain and stuff, the like, I was like, you should put that on a shirt. Put that on the road on there. So I may do that. I don't know. It's just. Man, what I figured out for me is, like, I I really do appreciate everybody's ideas and opinions. But if I used every single person's idea and opinion, I'd be $50,000 in the hole and only be able to sell one or two of each of those and it'd be to the person mm-hmm. that suggested it. Or actually, probably the person that suggested it. Wouldn't even end up actually buying it. Yep. Yeah, it's like Facebook marketplace. Yeah, have a box of shirts and just send them to Haiti or someplace. Yeah, uh, but no, I had I had someone hit me up the other day. They're like, "Man, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, right now at a bar, and I just walked by a dude with the same hat on as me, and he's from Georgia, and it, yep. you know, it's one of my hats." I was like, "Well, that's cool as you know to me. That's cool as shit." That oh yeah, for sure. That that happens, so I like, make, uh, um, makes me feel good. 
a buddy of mine's old lady, uh, Rainy, she owns Rated R Hat Company. And um, and she builds, like, she builds felt hats, cowboy hats and stuff, but she's got ball caps like mine. And I was wearing mine in Fort Worth one day, and this, or one afternoon, this cow took a picture of it, sent it to Rainy, and I was like, see, spreading the word. But she didn't yeah. build me a, a felt hat, a discounted felt hat. So if you need any felt hats built, get up with, I think her thing is Rated R Hat Company on, but you also find her Rainy. I think it's Rated R Hat Company on TikTok. I know it is on Instagram that way, but I don't know exactly what it is on TikTok. So. Man, I'm glad you said that because I got me a Greeley hat made here a couple years ago, and I spent like $750 on this felt hat, and I'm pretty sure my $150 Stetson is more comfortable. And she just my, built one for uh, Jess Murph, that singer that's all over TikTok, the Cowboy yeah. of an Angel scale. She just built a hat for her. So. Well, yeah. I'd be interested in trying her out. No, she tell her that I heard it. Hat. I'll tell her that I heard it from you. So, but, she don't officially sponsor the podcast, but uh, there, she, got right. a little, she got a little sponsorship thrown in there, anyways. But. Well, good. Good. Helping helping someone else out. You ain't always for sure. sure. Ain't always gotta be sponsored to help someone else out. Like Right. Well that's how it started with uh Towson man, was I just I think it was me and Nate was talking when he first got started with the gloves and stuff. Nate's been on board since I started doing the podcast, but we was talking on, on the show we done together about Towson stuff and Towson like you won't believe how many people's come in here and said that they heard us on y'all talk about us on the podcast so I was like I'll just start Using you on there, bud. Because if if I uh, if I need something, he drop ships it to me. I mean, he'll send it to me from the store, no matter where I'm at. Don't get too crazy with it. But well, that's how he stands behind it. So that's kind of how I am with uh, like badass reels. Um, like badass reels does not pay me a single penny to promote any of their products. But anytime I see someone make a post on Facebook on Facebook looking for a remote or a reel or something like that. Oh, I always recommend them to badass reels because the owner is a good friend of mine. And like, he don't need to pay me for me to support him. Like he's right, my friend. That's sure. his business. And like, I'm not just supporting him because he's my friend. Like, I, I don't know what you use, but like his reels, they are legit. I mean, they're, right. they're very nice. Oh, I've been around them enough of them to know you know that it's a it's a good quality product and i and i want one eventually i don't want the real i just want the remote for my mp that set up but his remote my truck's not really set up for the for the real part like i want a torch reel but church is really not set up to house it the bed that's on it if i ever built another bed but i, I love the bed that i got Braden bailey and zach bailey built it love my bed so i'll probably never get rid of it. it's welded to my pickup anyways but hmm. There's a couple of things I would have changed if I was to build another bed, but I'm lazy yeah. in that aspect. Man, have you ever? Yeah, well, my buddy. Uh... Oh Jesus! An acquaintance of mine. I'll say that since I can't remember his name. But anyways, he has their their remote and everything. It, same machine as mine, an MP, and it he has the reel and everything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, work, it works freaking great. The core, I mean, 
the little latch that it has. It's better than Lincoln because I used to have the big box Lincoln that twists on there. Mm-hmm. Well, that that prong or whatever fucked up on it. Well, he has said that he has messed up at one time too, but they, I think he overnighted his remote back to him. He overnighted or whatever, and they got it fixed quick and got it back to him. He, only, he was only without his remote for like a day and a half. And they may have even sent him the parts to fix it. I can't remember how it went down. I'd have to ask him. But Man, John at Badass Reels, uh, like, he's he stands behind his stuff and like he will he will help you out every chance he gets we we got rained out here a week or two ago and his shop is like an hour and a half from or right away well i went up i took my weld boss and another welder up there and my weld boss has one of his hose reels one of his like first hose reels and he was asking about getting the latch replaced on it like what's here from spinning and he's like ah just just take that whole reel off bring it in here and i'll rebuild it and i'm fairly certain like he didn't charge him nothing i'm not saying everybody call him and you know do that same thing but like he didn't have to do that you know he could charge parts and labor and all that for sure you know he didn't he's seen one of his reels that was five six years old or something and he's standing behind it still and to me that's that's kick ass because I feel like that don't happen often enough anymore. Right. Well, like I don't even. I, this is the first time in, in my career that I've wore white welding caps, so I don't know that if I because I can't stand I can't stand the dirtiness of them. You know, like I like to wear the colored up ones, like purple, blue, orange. It don't make a shit because they don't hold all the stains and stuff. Well, you know, down in West Texas, the red dirt stains them, the sweat stains them, like. Wear them two times. They got that sweat ring around them and stuff. Well, I really like the Pipeline Clouds version of the welding cap. So I bought a bunch from Taos. Well, I don't know if I over-bleached them or what I did to them, but they like they got holes in them or whatever. Taos didn't make no money off the deal. He swapped the couple of hats that I had messed up, swapped them out with them. No big deal. All about my business. You know, and that's, it's not his product, but he's selling that product, so he still stood behind him. You know, and I, th- I don't know, people like that, they're dime a dozen anymore. You know, people, they, uh, they, nobody wants to stand behind what they're selling. You know, that's a, that's a real truth about it. Whether it's a welding machine or you buy a new Ford pickup or a Dodge, whatever, they don't, nobody wants to do any kind of warranty shit on vehicles anymore because they, I mean, it's it's not a it's not a money making business. I mean, they're out mm-hmm. to make money. Well, you're not gonna make money if you're doing warranty stuff. So, a manual a manual pipeliner cloud. I know he stands behind his stuff because I bought one of his umbrellas oh four or five years ago, and uh, I was taking it off my truck at the end of the day. I was working in Oklahoma, and the wind picked up and it got out of my hands and it smoked the end of a piece of four inch. Well, I sent them an email saying, hey, do y'all repair these? They said, well, what's wrong? They told me what happened. And he messaged me on Instagram. He's like, hey, send me your address. I'm just going to send you a new umbrella instead of fixing yours. You know, just I'll get you a new one and I'll overnight it. I was like, no, nah, man, you ain't got to do all that. Like, I'm fine with paying to get my fix. Or if I got to buy a new one, I will. He's like, no, I'll just send you a new one. And like, to me... That's that's kick ass. Yep. 
Like Nate, he's had a problem. Well, I own two five-line clubs, an eight-foot and ten-foot. But they, Nate, he had a problem with his, uh, like some of the stitching on his glove. You know, like sometimes it'd be open on the palm or on the side of it. I mean, the man is doing a job. He's providing for his family, and he's selling the gloves. Well, he don't really have the time to sit there and check every little pair, you know, pull them out of the package, check them. Well, that's probably – I think he's swap glove makers now, I believe, that he swapped glove makers. But anyway, he had, he had a bunch of second – what you would call second gloves that uh-huh. he didn't he didn't approve or whatever, you know, like a – something might have been messed up on. I told him, I was like, hey, man, I know you got them gloves. I'll just pay the shipping and you send them all to me and I'll staple them together or something. I'll just burn them up on these sleeves. Like, you bet. Now, I do get normal gloves from, from him, too, that perfect pairs, you know, but I like, I'll burn his seconds up, too, because welding sleeves, your left hand is, it's not like welding pipe where you're going downhill. Your hand's kind of, you're always kind of in an awkward spot where you're eating sparks on your glove, so. But I know that Nate took back a some gloves or you know like sent more gloves out to people that that had one messed up or whatever and I, I all I'm trying to do is put out a quality product he's just trying to get going you know so it's a it's a big deal to him when he's got an issue like that and uh chris seems to be the same way about his uh hey dudes and the products that he's putting out which is awesome because i want my pair still told hey dudes and now i got a pair so now i'm about to try that out myself yeah, for sure. And we may try to do some stuff in the future, but I'm not very good at squashing things. You know, like, you see all these people on TikTok, they're, like, they're opening the boxes and stuff and doing all that. Well, I have to work on my social media stuff. But Man, I'm I've glad to have companies. Them. I've had some companies hit me up, want me to do that, and I've tried it. I'm just entirely too awkward to, to do the box opening thing. Thanks for this. Yeah. Thanks for this fat kid. I don't mind doing it this way. Like, I, like today, I did share a uh, Wobro's advertisement that he had, which a lot of people responded to. I've seen that. I thought that was, was a good. <laughs> I thought it was a funny video. That's something that he done, and I just took it from him and put it on my social media. I can do that all day long. You know, yeah. As far as like, I can talk, I can. I can give a little introduction about it or a sponsorship on the podcast about it. That's easy. You know, I just, he wrote out some stuff and I just took it and used it in my own words. I can do that. You know, like Nate, I, I, I said one time they're better than everybody else's gloves or whatever. And Nate just thought that was the greatest ever, but the, uh, <laughs> trying to get too carried away with it, but man, you made me I feel, it. made me oh, feel big time. And when you opened up this podcast, I mean, it, I felt like I was on the road show. <laughs> well, it's, it's a little bit different. Now I've got a couple of sponsors, you know. They, 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 it just helps a little bit. Not not so much me. I mean, I do get gloves, and I like Chris and me a pair of hey dudes and a shirt and stuff, and towels give me a space to like knock stuff off, you know. But it's not it's not even about that to me. I just want to support people that I know, you know. Like the Wilbur, I don't officially know Chris, but. I know him and Nate's kind of been working together, and I kind of weaseled my way in on that deal, or got a little side deal to him. But it, it's not even about that. I just want to support good businesses, people that's in our industry trying to make a living. You Man, know, it, it takes all kinds of, takes, takes all of 
together and help. I mean, I got 20-something. I got more listeners on my podcast than I ever thought about having on any of my other social media. So I'm going to take advantage of it and support my friends when I can. So Heard that. Whether they send me free shit or not, I don't care. I'm still going to try to do right by them and so forth and so forth because they've done right by me. That's right. Like I like Nate has a massive following. I probably wouldn't have some listeners if I didn't have Nate on the podcast because he has a massive TikTok following. So, well, once I know that you're going to be putting this, I mean, I'm going to put it out on my social media. And yeah, for sure. You know, like we talked about the other day, I I don't have as near as near as many as them, but you know, if we can gain a couple, I think it's kick ass because I enjoy listening to what you got going, and I sure. I hope people enjoy listening to our conversation, too. I mean, for sure. And if not, fuck them if they can't take a joke. (laughs) For sure. All right, Mr. Dakota, Bull Knuckle. Is it Bull Knuckle or Bull? Bull Winkle. Hey, I'm going to clear this up. I'm going to be fucking this up. Bull Winkle 1992. There we go. Not Moose Knuckle 92. Not Moose Knuckle ninety two. There we go. You find them. We have to edit that one out at the at the beginning. (laughs) No, I gotta leave everything in there. That's what makes it so great, bro. All right. Well, I can I can handle that. (laughs) It was an honest mistake, but uh, I appreciate you coming on the show, bud. And uh, and I'll let you know when I get ready to to release this one. All right. All right. Take care. Hopefully, we do it again sometime. Will do. Will do for sure. Yeah, All right, I appreciate you being on. Take care, yep. brother. We'll see you. Be good.